Can you believe that we're in one month in the Disney Lurkana's release? And in one weekend, we had three major events. One was for Nintendo Switch, and two were for 1Ks. I'm all about competitive. I'm all about playing the game. But the idea that you could have played in both of these, depending on where you lived and how much you wanted to travel, in the same weekend, two 1Ks in the same weekend, like semi-drivable if you really, 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 really wanted to. Nonetheless, I think it's really awesome. I really want to get into this. Let's break down the meta from week four. That's right, guys. Meta at the glance for this weekend are the three premier events that were all in some way, shape, or form in the public eye. PBG's 1K Cash event took place on Saturday. It was a six-round event cut to top eight, but in the top eight, everybody split, so we didn't get a, defin a definitive winner. Uh, we also had the trading card game con event, which was for a Nintendo Switch and some prizes. This entire event was streamed over on the Illumiteers channel. I can share the description, share the link in the description if you want to check out the actual games. And then there was the CCS Lorcana 1K. This was, to my knowledge, not covered anywhere stream-wise. Um, and the information for it was kind of gathered throughout the day. So guys, there is a ton of information from this weekend. Just these three events is 24 decks alone. I've also had some information recently about large local events that I wanted to chat about. Also, so much information, not enough time to completely break everything down in this video. So in the comments below, I want you to, I want you to let me know if one of these events that I cover in here you want a full breakdown of the event and my thoughts and opinions on the deck list and all of those things, hit me up in the comments. Let me know which one of the events that you would love to hear more about. Now let's get into the deck of the week. The deck of the week should not be a shock to anyone. This deck has run rampant for weeks, and at the end of the day, it picked up the only win of the weekend. Every single event from the weekend was either a split prizes in top four, a split prizes in top eight, but this is the surefire winner of the deck that won Trading Card Game Con in Tampa Bay and got the winner a nice Nintendo Switch. Ruby Amethyst has been running absolute rampant. I'm going to show you guys some numbers later on in this video that might actually blow your mind a little bit, but nonetheless, I've covered this uh, over and over again. It just has so much. These cards right here are presumably the true core of this deck with the mesh of everything going on. It can be absolutely taken further than this for the actual overall core, but that's kind of the problem with this deck in general, right? It's a good problem to have is there's so many good options for this deck that it's just continuous success is not a shock to many at all. All in all, the board control aspects of Be Prepared, Maui, Dragonspire, Rafiki, going to the extent of also having Zeus if you want it. We've seen it in some decks this weekend. Uh, addition of Maleficent, Aladdin, Elsa, and Ursula's win conditions. We've also seen BLT and Mickey's and more and more of things, <laughs> other possible win conditions. And of course, the card draw power of Friends on the Other Side, of the Queen, of Magic Mirror, the card sifting ability of Ursula's Cauldron, it, the list goes on and on and on. Um, this deck is phenomenal, it's consistent, and it's just continuously succeeding all over the nation and everywhere it shows up. Gotta give 
got to give it mm, got to give it what it's due guys and this deck is really good and we're going to talk a little bit more of it throughout the rest of this video so let's focus on ppg 1k in miami first so the top eight decks were four ruby amethyst two amber steels one emerald amethyst and one emerald sapphire now the entirety of this event was streamed over on Pro Play Games uh, Twitch page. If you subscribe to them, you can catch the whole stream in its entirety. If you don't want to do that, you can actually wait, and they're going to be releasing the video starting today at the release of this video, which is on Tuesday, and you'll get to see all six rounds of the event. In the end, the top eight ended up being a complete cut, uh, so there was no you know, surefire winner, but the eight players playing in the event, you know, shout out to you guys. Six-round event, uh, the 5-1 in the event, if I remember correctly, was the Emerald Amethyst deck, uh, which is, you know, on the end of that budget deck that we were talking about in, you know, a couple of videos back, where this deck is a pretty cheap and affordable deck. It was able to go 5-1 in the event. It had to win an in for the bubble. Um, six of the players were able to draw into the top eight. Two players had to play for the win. And going 5-1 in an event to this account, you know, to this caliber is pretty sweet for a budget deck. So it's definitely something to be notable and be weary of moving forward that that is a real deck that you're going to see, you know, come across in some of your potential upcoming local events. But nonetheless, you know, PPG, again, throwing on an incredible event. They had 45 registered players uh, for this event, they actually had to cap the event at 50 because of it kind of clashing with one piece on the weekend with its release weekend. But nonetheless, they were able to get 45 players to play in this Miami 1K. Pretty great. And obviously, very clearly dominated by Ruby Amethyst as a whole. I believe of the 45 players, 10 of them registered Ruby Amethyst for this event. And four of them made top eight. So... Kind of just tells you all you need to know. Two Amber Steels, the Emerald Amethyst, and the Emerald Sapphire. Uh, kind of just showing off a little bit of splashes here and there and some diversity in the meta. At the end of the day, you still have four different decks in the top eight. And I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of saying like, oh, it's just Ruby Amethyst. And it's all we're seeing. But that's it is not true. Are we seeing a lot of Ruby Amethyst? Absolutely. But it's not the only thing we're seeing. And honestly, in this event, with some of the other things that came out, um, you know, Emerald Sapphire is not something we had seen before be successful. We're going to talk about it a little later in this video, a little more in depth, but, you know, it's not something we see a whole lot of. Emerald Amethyst, we saw at PPG Denver and a little bit from reports from league plays and things like that afterwards. But aside from Amber Steel and Ruby Amethyst, uh, pretty much every deck you could almost label as kind of an unknown and kind of a rogue deck in the format because it's very clear at this stage in the game that Ruby Amethyst and Amber Steel are, you know, kind of the rock and paper of it, but there's definitely room for some rogue for scissors, but let's get into the next event. So the top eight of the Tampa Bay Nintendo Switch tournament, again, it was hosted and covered on the Illumiteers channel. You can go and check out the entire stream at length, uh, which had Liam from the Illumiteers and Brandon from B Squared. Uh, both commentating over that event in its entirety. And you can see here a lot of kind of more of the same, but there's some some differences here. So we had the another event where we had three Amber uh, Amethyst Rubies, one Amber Emerald, two Sapphire Steel, 
and then one amber amethyst and again one steel amber so some different decks looking here you know you can see here that the sapphire steel was able to kind of shine here so while in the event for Miami, we had a Emerald Sapphire, this is the first time we're kind of seeing Sapphire Steel really come out and perform at a local event or at, you know, a nationwide event with on paper TCGs, not just like kind of the successful numbers that we're hearing from Pixelborn. So it's cool to see that this deck did have success. It did show up and, you know, had two decks in top eight, which is pretty exciting. Um, I don't know for sure if they were, you know, the same team or friends or things like that he's playing the same deck but all in all when you go into an event you look at it and you can see uh having three ruby amethyst and then having two steel uh sapphires it's just a note that these are the decks that were represented at the you know in the event most likely i don't have all the numbers like i do for ppg because i was able to look at all 45 deck lists from ppg but i don't have those same numbers for this but nonetheless congrats to these guys again and of as, as mentioned before, this was the only event that actually played out its entire event. Normally, that is very common when it's not for cash. It's very often in competitive play that cash events are ended up split once you get to a certain number. You know, for Miami, it was a split to top eight. Uh, for Atlanta, it was a split at top four, which we heard from a couple weeks ago in the Tennessee event, which also was split in top four. So you can hear these really common things and entities uh when you start seeing that but when you're playing for product or for a prize like ppg denver was playing for product and then um this event in atlanta was playing i'm sorry this event in uh tampa bay was playing for a nintendo switch which means you can't really split a nintendo switch you gotta play it out and you have to play for it so you know shout out to the winner of this one uh picking up the entirety of the event and with ruby amethyst nonetheless the last event here is the top eight of the Atlanta event, which was again, uh, before I messed it up, at the C it was hosted by CCS, which is the Charlie's Collectible Show in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this is another one, a sheer dominance from none other than Ruby Amethyst with four of them in the top eight again, followed with an Amber Sapphire an amber steel another amber steel and then an amber i'm sorry a sapphire amethyst so again a little bit of diversity a uh, little bit of diversity here no emerald to be found in this particular event lots of amethyst again lots of amber again uh same with steel and thing so you know you're you're seeing these constant things each and each event and now it's really going to start turning into how do we develop past them? In this event, it went to a split at top four. So the top four were the Amber Sapphire and then three Ruby Amethyst. So all in all, shout out to these guys. Well-played event. Uh, splitting about $800 is always nice. So each player in the top four probably picked up about 200 bucks. The rest of you guys, great job. And it this is... Um, not as big as a difference and we're seeing the we have saw we've seen some success from sapphire amethyst at the first 1k event in tennessee that was reported upon this is the first time we're actually seeing a uh, a sapphire amber deck kind of succeed in a public setting we've seen the numbers come across on pixelborn again so there was definitely some life of it existing in the game and being played at you know a competitive level and by 
the top 100 players within Pixelborn, but not to the extent of actually seeing what the deck list looks like. So pretty interesting stuff. Pretty cool to see something different, but there was a lot of the more of the same. And again, on the weekend, Ruby Amethyst taking up half of this top eight. So of course, with everything I just told you, we're going to break it down in an entire graph that I made and really look at what we should be planning for moving forward. But if you're enjoying the content so far, and if it's really been, you know, if you're interested in hearing more about these things, again, let me know in the comments. If you want me to break down the deck list of any one of these events, I just didn't feel there would be enough time to put it all in this video. 24 decks is a lot to go all at once. So hit me up in the comments. If you want me to break down the top eight decks from all of these, we officially have all the decks from all of these events. So I can break any of them down. So definitely hit me up and let me know. And of course, if you like the video, hit the like button. If you're not yet, hit that subscribe. And now let's break down the entirety of the weekend. In my best attempt to show off a graph in Scott Landis fashion, this is the meta breakdown for the week four meta report. Now you can see here that of the what this graph is looking at is the top eight of each event broken apart into one giant pie chart. So of 24 decks that, that you know, created the top eight of four, across three events, 11 of them were Ruby Amethyst, which is taking up 45% of this weekend meta. And guys, I mean, that's a big number. In all honesty, like, Sometimes in games you hear of like 25%, 20%, maybe 30%, um, you know, for the best deck in the game to kind of like always showcase itself over and over again. 45%, that's a large number. It's obviously the reason why it's the deck of the week. It picked up the only win on the weekend, but it also picked up nearly half, like nearly half of the top eight slots across three separate events i mean that's astounding um there's not enough that i can say about this deck as a whole and the crazy thing is in all honesty if you really go through and i'll have all the links in the description of all these events and where the deck list can be found but if you really go through and you look at these deck lists they're all different they're all over the place there's definitely choices within each one of those that look different than the other there was lists with jetsam there was lists with zeus there was lists with poison apples like there was all of these different things and different ways to create the ruby amethyst deck and that's what makes it really interesting because while we've constantly seen success from the deck we have yet to see you know the end all be all dominance of it of what it's you know uh best form it's ultra form it's super saiyan form right like we just we haven't seen the absolute best version of it yet, which I think is really, really interesting. And it's definitely something that we have to continuously follow leading up until Miami, which is really the biggest event that is going to be open to the most players to play in. There's already 135 registered players in the event. If you haven't heard it yet, here's a little bit of a, you know, a little snippet right here we'll put up. And then of course the, the registration, you can still register in the description below. I'll make sure I have a link there too. 135 players already pre-registered. The event is a month away. That's insane. It's going to be huge. But all of these things that we're going to follow leading up to this, it all starts, you know, in a weekend like this. This is this is a a dream for every competitive player. The ability to find 
this type of information, to utilize these deck lists, to plan for your upcoming events, to keep practicing and putting in the reps in for Miami and other events that you might be attending. This is huge. And now you got you can go in and you can see if the you know the next deck played is Amber Steel at 20%. So you can say, I can plan to go to an event, and at that event, there is a good chance that 65% of the meta will be two different decks. And when you have that type of information, if you like, you know, if you think that your meta is going to look similar, well, then you can plan for that. You can build towards these particular matchups when you're considering what the deck you're going to play in. And even if you're playing Amber Steel or if you're playing Ruby Amethyst, you can use the information that half the field is playing Ruby Amethyst or, uh, you know, a fifth of the field is playing Amber Steel. What can I do in my deck? to increase my odds in that matchup? What can I do to surprise my opponent? What cards are going to make a difference in some of these matchups that just aren't really seeing the true light of day and love? I think that those are some of the really interesting core factors of the success rate of these decks. It's very clear that these player that players have been gravitating towards these two in combinations. Competitive player's dream is to utilize the information as best as they possibly can whether again whether it's to join the cause and say i'm going to be team ruby amethyst i'm going to play that deck but what i'm going to do is i'm going to tech for the mirror or i'm going to tech for ruby amethyst maybe i'm not going to care as much about some of these other matchups because at the end of the day if you look at these numbers um people just aren't playing these decks and these decks just aren't that successful 4.2% and then an 8.3 like all of these decks are less than 5% of the metagame. So yeah, you can be weary of them. Yes, as a competitive player, you should acknowledge their existence. You should understand their game plans, but you necessarily shouldn't be tweaking to play in that meta um, because they're not really guaranteed to be there. Now, again, this was across three events. In some of these events, none of these decks even existed. So if you had planned to play against Sapphire Steel as an example, who had a good showing in one event, well, the other two events, it didn't show up at all. So you would have wasted card slots, uh, you know, in your deck for a deck that wasn't even there. Now, granted, next weekend's a different weekend, right? Different ball game. You got to make your decisions. You got you to gotta kind of use your local experience, especially if you're traveling locally to play in these events. Try and gather as much information about what people have been playing in league. What you know? What type of uh, card collection players have? Because that makes a big difference in some of these choices for budget versions and things like that. Spe- specifically, the Sapphire Steel deck, you can kind of make that deck just getting like three or four of the starter decks and then modifying it slightly above and above. But even some of these versions weren't even playing cards like Bell, or all of them were playing Hades, I believe. But still, it's interesting to see Sapphire finally starting to get some love but it's not, it's all different flavors of it. Hades, key factor. Uh, that's a card that you're going to see in every Sapphire deck, but not every Sapphire deck's playing Bell. You know, like, it's, it's, it's hard to plan if you don't know what they're going to be doing. And since there's not enough information about there yet, you can just kind of understand, like, okay, I know that deck exists, but maybe I don't worry about that nearly as much as Ruby Amethyst or Amber Steel. All in all, I honestly think that this is like, some insane data um 
45%, almost 46% if we round up, uh, of Ruby Amethyst is a, that's telling you something. It's telling you a couple things. It, the first thing is, is that people are playing it. Players like it. Players enjoy it. And it's very clearly the most consistent deck probably since its culmination. I mean, there was two of them in PPG Denver, and then there were six of them in the 1K in Tennessee. So those numbers, that's another eight that you add on top. So that's 19 decks out of um, a possible 40. Again, that's like 50%. So like right there, you're still in the same numbers even if I add in two more. So just knowing that, you have to understand that when you show up to an event, you really don't want to play a deck that can't beat Ruby Amethyst or can't compete with Ruby Amethyst or just has a bad matchup. Uh, I would be personally looking for like a 30 or 40% matchup at worst. If you're really, really going to consider you leveraging your skill against another players, that's the only way I would consider it. Otherwise, if card collection, you know, if, if your collection is playing dividends, I understand all those things as well, but 100%, you need to at least understand that matchup to the fullest to give yourself the best opportunity to win in all of those matchups. And if you're going to play the deck, you damn well better be ready to play the mirror match. And that's exactly what I'd be preparing for if, if I were in the shoes of saying, I want to be a Ruby Amethyst player. How do I get better? How do I make the best out of my moments? And I would plan for the mirror, um, you know, two or three times potentially in an event, in all honesty. Now let's talk about the deck on the rise. The deck on the rise this week was played by a content creator called First to Twenty. He's also the name is Skinner. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. I'll put his link. I'll put his links to his YouTube in the description below. And I want to give him a shout out because honestly, this is the kind of deck that just kind of just pops out of nowhere and definitely, in all honesty, might it might get a couple of these. It might go. Is that deck good? Like, is it a fluke? Did he, like, what did he play against? Was he, was he like just skeeting in in top eight? Like, what, what really happened? For me, I don't know. I wasn't there. What I can tell you is that Skinner has said that he's going to release a video about it. So I would definitely check out his channel to find out all those answers. But what I can tell you is that he drew into the top eight. So no, he wasn't on the bubble. No, he didn't have to fight to win his last round. He was in a position to draw into the top eight. So how he would have done in the top eight, we'll never know. But the list itself is very interesting. So things that I really enjoy about this list and why I think it actually has a lot of potential success is Ward. Uh, in a big way, Aurora, you know, Dream Guardian, and Cusco are huge, huge problems for Ruby Amethyst. And for what for what it for what it's worth, also Amber Steel, both of those cards giving Ward to everything, and then having Ward itself, while on two lore and three lore characters with you know pretty fair stats, um, it goes a long way. Impacting the game, you know, with a song like Let It Go is another phenomenal card as we can talk about. But also having this follow up, I mean, just look at that five. Look at all the five cost uh, cards here. You know, we have. And Aurora, we have Maleficent, Cusco, and Mad Hatter. All of those cards swing for two lore or above. Um, three of those cards swing for three lore. Two, one of those cards removes a card when it gets removed, and the other one is gives ward to everybody. And the final one is draw a card when it defends. 
those five costs are absolute fire. I mean, they're just they're just really, really good. Uh, to follow up, the four costs are no slouches. We have Hans and Tinkerbells, which we have another, you know, four cost card, has three lore. We have Eye of Fate, which is very interesting. So it's turning our you know, potential three and four, you know, our three lore characters into four lore characters and our two lore characters into three lore characters. Making cards like, you know, Jasmine and Cheshire Cat, three cost, three lore characters. A card like Flynn is a two cost, three lore character with Eye of Fate. Um, this is pressuring really, really, really well. It's a very, very interesting build. Uh, the addition of Phil is very nice because Phil gives support, lets your Flounders and your Dukes trade up. Let, uh, lets your Cheshire Cat actually make a potential trade out of nowhere that your opponent's not, you know, realizing whatsoever. Uh, definitely gives your ability to swing up, you know, later in the game with Maleficence because she's a 3-6, and if you can kind of get away with an offensive swing and can afford to give up on 3-lore, lots and lots of options to trade. Also makes Jasper pretty good. All in all, I like the concept of this deck a bit. Uh, I'll be curious to hear what... Skinner, you know, is going to change about it. Uh, for me, the first card that I look at in in like an in instance because every deck I played in it, I just just I just don't think it's very good. Is develop your brain. That's my first card that I think I would cut from this list if I was looking to really start adapting. That's number one for me. But let's uh, you know check out Skinner, check out first the twenty, um, see what he has to say about the deck because I think it's really interesting. I think it's really great that he was successful with it. He went four one and one, got in the top eight. And I think he started the event 4-0, if I remember correctly. So, hey, shout out to him. Shout out to Skinner. Congrats on the, you know, congrats on a great event. And for the most part, bringing another deck potentially into the meta game for people to truly look at and adapt to. All right. So, a lot of information, right? I only really covered two decks, but I also covered like three total events. Uh, but we're coming down to the wire here, and we have to talk again about the inks. Now... There's been a lot of more of the same with the inks, but I think it's still developing. And I think this was the first week where we actually saw some sparks of life, uh, in all honesty, from some of the lower inks on, you know, the ranking in the last couple of weeks, at least from, you know, my point of view. All in all, I would love to know what your ink of the day is, right? Like we had a whole weekend, we've had a whole month now of information come out. You know, what do you think the top dog for Inkwise is? What do you think the, you know, the not so top dog for Inkwise is? And if you don't agree with my comments, you don't agree with what I'm saying, hit me up in the comments. Let me know why. Here we go. Ink rankings for week four meta reports. Yeah. Hasn't changed. I know. I know. It might be a bit of a letdown. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't change anything at all because in all honesty, this is how I see it. While I enjoy the idea that Sapphire and Emerald are on the uptick, they're just clearly, I mean, if we go back to the graph guys, like, you know, there's just, there's just not enough of it. It's just not, you know, like Ruby again, like Ruby only has 11 decks. It's only been played and successful with Amethyst, but it still shows up 11 times where like Sapphire, you know, only shows up like eight times. So you can't really move up in the meta at all if you're not representing it. And that's the problem with uh, with Sapphire and Emerald. Like, yeah, they've had sparks of life. They've had some nice success. Um, but they haven't really proven it. And there hasn't been enough players to go out there and convince anybody that they're that much better. I still think they need a lot of support. Um, 
the most interesting one is the the deck I just covered, which is them two together in this like aggro version that I don't think people are really expecting. But you know, everyone can have a, a good event with a good deck, especially if you're you know the creator of the deck, if you understand it, if your opponents don't understand how to play against it, catch a lot of people off guard, pick up a nice wins. It's kind of a true compliment to deck builders in general when they can catch the meta game off guard. But until the deck proves itself or until other versions of Sapphire and Emerald really step up to the plate and prove themselves more, they're just going to remain in the gutter. And then stuff like Amber and Amethyst are clearly still one and two here because they're everywhere. They are creating opportunity for whatever complement they're a part of. Amethyst, you know, is now complementing across five events, Steel, Amber, Emerald, ruby uh sapphire i mean it literally has complemented every other ink into a top eight in one of these events so yeah it's the best ink guys it until proven otherwise it's gonna keep winning the best ink because it just does everything for every other color so well even the emerald decks the amethyst emerald decks they're only playing like 16 to 19 amethyst cards and it's just to draw cards. Like it's just friends. It's just Maleficence. And then scatter in some random stuff. But that's really what they're doing. When you really start to look at the, you know, the, the landscape of the last couple of weeks, it just shouldn't be a shock to you at all that Amethyst and Amber have ruled the day and been completely awesome. And the biggest benefactories of both of those have been Steel and Ruby. Ruby only showing up with amethyst which is the only reason why it's on four because it's being completely carried by amethyst uh to its you know all of its events success whereas steel has at least been complemented by amethyst by amber by um sapphire now as well i don't think we've officially seen any ruby or emerald steel decks uh make a top cut but i digress it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys today and walking through this incredible amount of information this weekend. I would love to go more in depth and I do plan on doing that, but let me know in the comments what event in specifically we cover them all here already. So we'll go back to them real quick, but in all honesty, just let me know, you know, let me know. Is it PBG? Is it CCS or is it trading card game con? Hit me up in the comments. Let me know. Hit me up on socials if you want, whatever. Pick on me all you want. Let me know which of these you want to hear about first, and I will. that will be the next video that you see on this channel. Thank you guys so much for watching today. I hope you enjoy it. I do these every single week. If you like this type of content, hit that subscribe button. If you want to watch last week's, here it is right here or right here. See where it shows. Thank you guys so much. See you guys in the next one.